Hi, and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Matt Kawahara, and today I'm joined by Mark Katze, who's in his sixth season with the A's coaching staff and his first as their third base coach. Katze also coordinates the infield defense, and we'll talk about why the A's have upped their shifting tendencies in the first month of this season, plus how he's transitioning into what can be a high-pressure role coaching third. All that and more now on A's Plus. Mark, thanks a lot for, for joining us. First of all, I was uh, just kind of curious, uh, your perspective. Uh, this has been kind of a wild first month uh, for the team. Just with the way the first week went, it seemed like kind of nothing was going right. And then uh, for a couple of weeks, nothing was going wrong. Um, from your perspective, just how, how, how do you explain how quickly you guys were able to turn things around here? I don't know if there's an, uh, an accurate explanation as to the exact reasoning behind why we've had success over the last two weeks and, and, and why we got off to a slow start. I think obviously we're playing some um, playoff teams to begin the season, uh, the Astros being one of them, the Dodgers the other. Um, so, you know, anytime you, you have, uh, you know, some inefficiencies in your performance, it's going to get exposed, especially against the good teams. And I think that kind of happened. And, and uh, you know, fortunately, we were able to dig our way out of it and, and uh, turn things around uh, fairly reasonably you know, in a fairly reasonable time, time frame. And, um, you know, for us, uh, playing consistent baseball is probably the most important aspect that uh, we focus on and, and fundamentally sound baseball. And I think we've gotten there. From the players that we were talking to kind of during, uh, both during the first week and then during the 13-game winning streak, um, everybody seemed to, to be pretty confident that, you know, obviously that, that first week wasn't going to last forever. But even just the way that the games went, um, they were confident that that just wasn't a reflection of, of what this team is. Um, how would you describe just sort of the mood uh, in the clubhouse during that, uh, during that opening stretch and, and then again during the 13-game winning streak? Yeah, I think, you know, we were all grinding. Um, no one likes to, to lose and uh, to start the season out the way we did. I think um, it, it built our character uh, quickly. Um, guys came together. Guys uh, in the clubhouse were, were conversing on – you know, uh, just their performances and, and ideals to, to how we could improve and get better. And, um, and I think that built a culture inside the clubhouse very quickly, um, one that you've seen over the last two weeks. And, you know, going through the, the process of starting to win, I think you saw the confidence grow uh, on a daily basis. And, and now we're here uh, in Tampa playing a good team and, and uh, won a good ball game last night, a close ball game. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, in, in, in all that uh, guys are, are very confident in their ability and their performance right now. Uh, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions that, that are um, shift related. Um, so far uh, this season in the first few weeks, uh, according to Baseball Savant or some of the, the websites that track this kind of stuff, uh, you guys are playing a, a good amount more infield shifts than in previous years. I think through yesterday's game, um, you were shifting against something like 50, 48% of hitters um, up from 29% over the course of last season. Uh, and I was just wondering, what, what is driving sort of that increase in, in shifting against hitters right now? I don't, I don't necessarily know what's driving it. I think that we evaluate it on a daily basis, on an individual basis. Um, you know, from a from my perspective as an infield coach, I look at our pitcher who's on the, on the mound. Uh, we assess his strengths, uh, and we also assess him against the hitters that he's going to face each each night. Um, you know, we're looking at basically just trying to be the best opportunistic. Um, 
defense and, and terms of situations. Um, I think that situations in the game, um, if we're engaged and, and paying attention to the game, uh, we utilize the data that we're given and, uh, and we're also utilizing our visualization in the dugout as to you know, how hitters are attacking uh, certain pitches and, and certain situations in the game. Uh, you know, we see teams kind of shift when they when they do play infield shifts. They kind of shift the infielders in different ways. I mean, you look at a team like uh, the Padres when they play a shift against a left-handed hitter, they'll move Machado over in the, into the shallow right field. You guys choose to keep Chapman on the left side and, and kind of patrol that um, that side of the field. How do you decide how to structure your shift? I think one we individually uh, assess these players. You know obviously his ability and comfortability in, in the position. I think Chapman's very comfortable uh, on the left side of the diamond and he's also comfortable at shortstop. He's played shortstop coming up to the college ranks. Um, you know, that being said, Elvis Andrews has played shortstop for 12 plus years in the big leagues. So uh, Elvis has volunteered to, to go out into the grass into the outfield grass because our second baseman, Jed Lowry, isn't necessarily comfortable uh, in the hole that deep off of the grass. So uh, it's, it's individual assessments uh, as well as their comfortability in, in, in where they feel they'll have the most success in, on the infield and in making the plays. I was going to ask also if, uh, if the change in personnel up the middle, um, obviously going from, from last season where you had, you know, Marcus at shortstop and a couple different guys in second to now where you have Elvis and, and Jed, um, if that has impacted or affected at all the, the number of shifts that you play or how you play them? I think we just, you know, as I said, we, we assess it every day individually. Um, we go into each game. I do a lot of prep on, you know, looking at, at – uh, the matchups and trying to put our guys in the best position possible uh, so that they have the most success. And I think we've done a pretty good job at that so far. Um, as you said, you know, the change in, in the middle, uh, it takes time to, to really evaluate how well we're doing on a performance standpoint. I wouldn't take two weeks of numbers and, and, and make huge changes. I think uh, over the course of time, uh, as we always know that, that the averages uh, seem to, uh, to be there at the end of the season. So for us, uh, you know, consistency and continuity in the middle um, we've had for the last 20 games with Jed and, and with Elvis, they're going to get more comfortable with each other. And I think we're, we're seeing that on a daily basis. Uh, we, we did ask Elvis about um, just kind of playing over in that shallow right area uh, maybe a week ago. And he joked that like, um, he's probably had more putouts so far this season from right field than from shortstop. Um, which is, you know, a bit of a change for him. He, he has played shifts before, obviously, but uh, did this, I mean, doing, doing things like this, um, does it require some buy-in from the infielders? And is there any sort of like evidence that you have to present to them or are they pretty much all in on this kind of idea? Yeah, I think it's an all-inclusive thing. I, I do bring the information to them. We do talk about it. Um, you know, they obviously Elvis has been in the league for 12 years. He has some experience and knowledge about certain hitters that, that he'll share uh, same as Jed, you know, so, um, but like you said, I think the buy-in comes from, you know, presenting the information, talking to them, involving them, uh, making it a collaborative effort uh, from, from all, from all standpoints and including the pitching, you know, we're trying to, we're really trying to win the margin. And, and that's what I dig in every day to, to just try to win the margin. And if that means, you know, one step left, one step right, and we make a play, then I feel like I, at the end of the day, I've done my job for these guys. How, uh, where, where does that uh, come from? That seems like a, a 
a bit of a, or like a saying kind of winning the margin. Where, where does that come from? I mean, it's just something I believe in. It's something I've talked to uh, people, you know, in, in the past. Um, you know, one guy that, that really talks a lot about it, Dave Roberts, manager for the Dodgers. Uh, we spent the offseason, you know, conversing on certain issues uh, with my role change in coaching third and, and, and being engaged in the infield and, and kind of a philosophy thing. You know, you just you try to dig in and, and, and uh, you know, if it's just one play that affects or impacts the game, then you've done your job. How do you sift through the just amount of information that's available to you right now? <laughs> long hours and uh, a lot of computer work, but um, you know, you, you you just try to take it all and, and extract what you believe in, and 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 you know, um, it's not always right, but you got to stand by on the decision, and and uh, you know, there's decisions that we make that uh, that are wrong, um, but if you're if you've lined up you know, your data points behind it and you feel convicted in it and it doesn't turn out the right way, that's okay too. You know, you have to take the good with the bad. You can't cover the whole field from an infield standpoint. You know, you're going to get beat at times. And, uh, you know, when we do, we, we, we go back, we look at why we got beat and we, we try to learn from it. I think, uh, I, I want to say it's double uh, A uh, where they're kind of introducing this, um, this idea this season that uh, they're going to restrict in some ways the, the way the defensive teams can play shifts. Um, I'm curious kind of your thoughts on, on that initially, and then also whether you think that that's something that could potentially, you know, reach higher levels at some point. Anything's possible now with all the changes of the game. Um, you know, the modernization of the game um, is, is taking things to, to new levels. But uh, if they are going to put restrictions on the defense, um, I think that you know, it's probably going to make our jobs even harder to extract the information and, and try to, uh, you know, align align a second baseman exactly where we feel, you know, the hitter is going to be hitting the baseball the majority of the time. So um, will it increase offense is really the key behind why I think what's driving this. And, you know, I think it may increase offense, but at the, at the end of the day, um, you know, there's a, probably other avenues to, to also um, think about that would, would have a bigger impact. Do you feel like defenses should be restricted in that way? Or do you feel like teams should have the freedom to kind of position, maneuver their defensive players however they want? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you can debate this either side. For me, uh, being a traditionalist, uh, you know, the first thought in my head is like, let's leave the defense alone. Let's not shift. But uh, that's not always accurate because they were shifting before, you know, the modern shift came into effect. So teams were playing three infielders on the right side uh, the history shows that in the game. So it's nothing new. It's just now there's, uh, it's, it's a dominant, you know, um, aspect of the game. Is it newer to shift more against right-handed hitters? Is that just something that you didn't see as much before? Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. I'd say that there's less likely um, in the past to shift right-handed hitters, but I think that the majority of hitters now in the game are looking to do damage. They're looking to, you know, um, hit for power. And in that, they're hitting the baseball contact points a little bit more out front because the ball does travel in the air uh, when you do connect it out in front um, and, and have the proper swing path with extension. But uh, that leads to ground balls on the pull side. So I think that, uh, you know, you evaluate that, as I talked about, um, you know, which hitters are predominantly pull side ground ball guys and you, you know, align your defense to their strengths. Well, just one last uh, shifting question, but is it, um, 
for you when you're when you're deciding how to do this and positioning the infield uh, how much of a luxury i guess or, or does it make it a little bit easier just to have you know gold glove winners up at the corner positions where it's probably those guys who are going to be maybe on an island a little bit more yeah, you can look at it both sides. You could say, why do we shift more with gold glove infielders? But I think we're trying to shrink the middle of the field. We're trying to eliminate, as you talk about, extra base hits and power numbers and, and uh, you know, take away strengths of hitters, really. And so if we can eliminate, um, you know, a hitter from from taking a pull side approach in certain situations in the game and, and, and allowing him to hit a base hit to right field or a base hit to left field and keeping him to a single and, and eliminating him from, you know, hitting a double or triple or home run in that mindset, then that's what we're going to do. Even though we have two gold glovers at the corners, I think there's more factors to, as to why we shift than just, you know, having them um, on either side of our, of our middles. We'll be back with more with Mark Katze right after this. And remember, you can access all of our A's coverage and much more with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Go to sfchronicle.com pod. That's sfchronicle.com pod. Something that you mentioned was the, the transition that you've made to, to coaching third base um, this season. I'm wondering just how comfortable you are at this point, you know, having done it during spring training and now for a few weeks uh, I mean, Bob has talked about how this is not an easy job. Um, and I was just kind of wondering how comfortable you're feeling at it right now. You know, I, I don't know if the right word's comfortable. It's just, it, it's a mindset, right, that you go out there with. And, and for me, um, it, it's as close to playing the game as you could possibly get. It's real time. Um, the speed of the game is real. The, the runners coming and approaching third base happen very fast. Um, and so being out of the game for seven years, uh, getting used to that speed again and, and how the game's played as quick as it is um, was something I, I, I had some time in spring training to, to do. So that that's allowed some comfortability. And, and um, I think really it's, it's enabled me to, uh, to have some confidence because in spring training, there were, there were a lot of situations I got to experience. Now I haven't experienced them all as a third base coach, but um, you know, for me, the excitement and the thrill of, of being out there and, and, and making a decision that, that impacts the game, you know, whether it's right or wrong. I think I got my first one, uh, first runner thrown out at the plate last night, even though I went to replay. But, um, you know, it, it's great. It's, 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 uh, it's fun. It's engaging. And, uh, and for me, um, you know, I, the more reps I get, the more opportunities I get, I think, as you talk about, the more comfortable I'll be. Yeah, the replay is kind of a different topic altogether, but, um, but how did you prepare for this? Um, did you uh, talk to previous third base coaches? Did you kind of study situations you could be in? How, how did you prepare for this role? Yeah, I did. I contacted a lot of close friends in the game. Um, Glenn Hoffman, um, Tim Flannery, Ron Washington, uh, you know, just to name a few, Tim Wallach, another uh, close friend, and, and really just kind of talked to them about their experiences and about their first time, you know, going out and being in that third base box and kind of the nuances, the intricacies of, of being a third base coach, because there are a lot of different things you can do um, with whether your signs or, you know, where you stand positioning wise is really important. Um, and then I kind of dove into just some video, just uh, watching some high home video of, of third base coaches, their techniques. I uh, got into spring training and actually got an opportunity to, to sit down with Dino Evil, 
who, uh, who, in my opinion, is one of the better third base coaches. He's with the Dodgers now. He's done it for years, picked his brain. And uh, so really just, you know, leaning on guys that have done it and gaining from their experience. And then, you know, the last stage, stages I talked about was, you know, the blessing of having 30 spring training games to, to get under my belt. Was there an aspect of it that kind of surprised you or something that you just hadn't really considered would be part of this job that is actually kind of an important part? Anything that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the signs, the signs are the, the part that's probably just the most uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, I've, I've, I've been able to kind of get it down and, and now I'm having some fun with it. If you watch, I might go to my elbow and act like that. So you can tell the boys to drop some, drop some hammer, but uh, you know, it, it's been fun. It's a maturation process for me that I learn something new every day. And, and, uh, and it's, you know, it, like I said, it's, it's uh, a new experience, one that I'm, I'm taking on and, and happy to do. Who's the fastest player on the team in a foot race? <laughs> Do we, uh, Loriano, I'd say comes in okay. the hardest. And yeah, so um, I think by far, you know, he's a base runner that is aggressive, one that one that uh, likes to go through stop signs. And if he does, I'll take the blame for it. So, <laughs> um, I mean, looking back at the, at the first few weeks, uh, is there a send or a, a send or a non-send maybe where you kind of in retrospect thought I could have done that a little bit differently or, or one that you were maybe like particularly proud of and thinking that hey, that was kind of a good move. Well, last night's sin that went to replay, I thought was an aggressive sin. It was a ball that with two outs, Elvis was, you know, running, um, running out. It was in the dome. If no one, if this is a podcast and ball uh, went up in the air behind third base, Wendell was trying to make an attempt at it. And, and it looked as if he wasn't going to catch it, which he didn't ball bounced up off the turf in the air. Elvis hit the bag. We, you know, we rolled him home and uh, it was bang, bang at the plate and their, their shortstop um, made a good play. He was instinctive. He, you know, took it out of the air, turned immediately and made a good throw. Although it was up the line of step, which I, which is why Elvis, you know, in my opinion was safe, but you know, it was a one run game in the seventh that we're trying to get another run in. And, and it's huge. It was a huge play in the game because one more run means that one pitch and one swing can't hurt you. So uh, it was a big call, one that we thought we, we'd ended up on the right end of. And, uh, and so that's, that's one that was aggressive that didn't work out. And then one that was non-aggressive uh, happened. Uh, um, oh boy, it was last road trip where it was a first inning hold and we had, and I held, uh, I think it was Canna coming around from second on a line drive to left. And we ended up not scoring uh, first and third one out. And the decision-making process was that Chapman was on deck, um, you know, rather than run into the out at home, I didn't feel 100% that it was going to be a clear cut safe. And with one out, I stopped him, which probably is the wrong decision. Ended up not scoring. We ended up winning the game, but, um, one that I look back on and say, okay, I could probably be a little more aggressive with. I would say one that kind of um, popped out to me just in, in the moment was one of the early games. It was either first or second game against Detroit, I think, at, at the Coliseum. Um, Matt Olson was on third base, and there was a shallow fly ball to right field. Yeah, but then, dude, the, the right fielder was coming in aggressively. And being an outfielder, I kind of have a real good baseline of, of what it takes footwork-wise to get yourself back online or, you know, to, to have the proper footwork fundamentally to be accurate when you throw home. And so that particular play with Ole, um, Badu doesn't have a, a great 
arm in right field. It's, it's pretty much below average. And he was moving in at a pretty high speed rate. So he's got to get under control and make an accurate throw. It was worth the risk there and, and it paid off. So. Yeah, the throw ended up being offline, and and maybe, I don't know if Olsen is a little bit more fleet of foot than you would think, but yeah, he, he is. He does have a little a little sneaky, uh, long stride that 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 he can actually run, and uh, and people don't think that, and he can he can kind of sneak up and surprise guys. Got it. Yeah, that's it's uh, obviously there is just so much that kind of goes into those. Um, uh, those decisions and a, a lot of them are snap decisions, but uh, do, do you need to do a lot of studying of kind of opposing outfielders just to know either tendencies or uh, arm strength is kind of readily available? But... Yeah. I mean, arm strength is available, but technique and footwork and fundamental isn't. And those, those are the hours that you put in, um, you know, assessing, you know, their, their ability to, to one, be accurate under pressure, right? Because a lot of guys, you know, you can, you can dive in even further, look at their assist numbers, and that kind of tells you the story as well. If, if, if someone has a strong arm but lacks assists, either, you know, teams or, or players are afraid to run on them, right, because they have a reputation they can throw. Or, um, you know, if they don't have a lot of assists, that means that under, when they're challenged, they're not accurate. So I kind of do my homework and, and try to prep as best as possible. Um, we do have, you know, the ability to click on their defensive, uh, you know, film and, and study them. So um, it's something that I do engage in. Um, and to just, like you said, we go back to winning margins, right? It's, it's you know, a little thing like that can pay off uh, when you challenge an outfielder if he's on the run or he's moving right or left. And uh, even though he's got a 65 plus arm, like you, you, you challenge him to make that throw accurate. And, and uh, because the data supports that he doesn't, so. One more uh, on this topic, just to kind of completely flip it around. But um, if you were studying Loreano as an outfielder, as a center fielder, in what situations would you test him? Would you ever test him? Or what is it that kind of makes him special in terms of a throwing? Yeah, I mean, there you go. He has, he has great arm, right? He's got probably a 70-plus arm. Um, he's fairly accurate. Um, and I think the situations that you, you – wouldn't want to challenge him in are ones like, uh, you know, if, if a runner's at second base and, you know, there's no outs and he wants to tag on Ramon, Ramon's got to be moving right or left for me to, to want him to do that at a fairly, you know, average depth. Right. So, um, you know, coming home center field, you know, with, with any type of ground ball, I'd probably challenge him. It's a really difficult throw. Ramon will make it. Um, but I think that the percentages are higher in the runner's favor to be safe on a ground ball up the middle. It's just, it's a long throw. You got to carry the mound. There's, you know, a lot of factors that go into that and the depth that the center fielder generally takes the ground ball in, um, you know, is, is a lot further than the corners. So I was going to say, he's also made a point last season of playing a little bit deeper, right. To, to be a little more rangy out there. So yeah, that's another thing you gotta, you gotta pay attention to. So Got it. Um, just uh, a couple of quick random ones, but I, I was wondering if uh, you know Joe Musgrove threw his no hitter um, recently, and and uh, I was just reading a story about that that he grew up a, a Padres fan, and um, apparently he was at a game once as a kid, and he yeah you threw him a foul ball when you were playing for the Padres. I I don't know. Obviously, you would probably have no memory of of that instance itself, but um, but do you know him? What was it like for you to see that happen? 
Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I don't know Joe, um, but I've heard nothing but great things about Joe. Um, when I went through the interview process with the Pirates, I was uh, excited about the opportunity to, you know, if if I got the job to manage to 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 get to know Joe, and 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 I've always loved him as a pitcher, um, and and now that he's in in the Padre organization um, and and having success and and it, only rightfully so right throwing the first no hitter for the Padres uh, local boy um, you know congrats to him and and uh, yeah this the story about me throwing him a ball um, you know those are always feel good stories right at least, at least it means that I was doing something right as I might have performed on the field at least I was making somebody's days one other one other previous time was uh, I think you you were with the Red Sox when Jed Larry came up as a rookie um, and now obviously you're seeing what he's doing at age 36 or 37. Um, what is it that, that makes it so difficult, particularly in the way that he hasn't, he, you know, went two years and had a handful of at bats and now is coming back and hitting big league pitching the way that he is. How difficult is that? Yeah, it's really difficult. It's, uh, you know, it's impressive. Uh, and I've, and I've told Jed that I think over these last two years, the difficulties that he's experienced, um, you know, with, with the injury process, with the unknown about the injury process. And, um, you know, as a player, you get frustrated. And I think this is his opportunity, you know, this year to, to kind of come back from, from uh, you know, two years of, of whether you want to call it hell or whether you, you know, I mean, he just, he really um, grinded through the process. And so, uh, to see his success now, he's always been able to hit. And we saw that, you know, when we when we had him, you know, well, three years ago, right? Uh, the success he had as an Oakland A and, and now to have him back and to be a part of this group. He loves this group and they love him. So it's a great environment. It was a great fit. And uh, and as I talked about, he's really, really doing a great job at maintaining his his body and his physicality. And, and uh, you know, he knows what he has to do to manage himself. And we're going to try to do that on, on our end, uh, uh, you know, to keep him healthy. Last one is just you had a lot of experience uh, in your playing career as a leadoff hitter. Um, Mark Hanna is doing it for the first time this season. And for the first few weeks, uh, has been pretty effective doing it. What, what makes him, what suits him to that role? What makes him effective there? Mark's always been a, a hitter that's very selective that, uh, and that grinds out at bats. I, I've, you know, for the last four years, five years watching him here as an Oakland A, he uh, stood out as a, as a player that, or as a batter that, that always got into deep counts, that, that wasn't an early count, just free swinger. Um, so it made sense. It made sense. To, um, and, and he's, like you said, he's taken advantage of that role. I think at one point he was leading the American League in pitches seen. Uh, which isn't a surprise. And so um, I think he feels comfortable hitting there, and, and we like having him there. Well, I think that's all I got, but Mark, thanks so much I'll for the time. Yeah, man. Thanks, bud. Uh, thanks again to Mark Kotze for joining us on Ace Plus. Our producers today were G. Allen Johnson and King Kaufman. We'll be back with more soon on Ace Plus. Thanks for listening. <laughs>